everybody, and welcome to Politics of the Empire, episode number 11. Back after, what, three or four weeks here off. Uh, this is finally the episode that uh, I guess everybody has promised you. <laughs> um, and I, These two are giggling about something, and I'm remote, so if there's something going on here, I don't know what it is. And if they're playing some funky music in the background that I can't hear, I'm going I'm to kick your guys' ass next time I see it. Just kidding. What are you talking um, about? Is this the... This is the Soviet national anthem. That's yeah. what oh, is that Adam's what getting himself choked up. <laughs> He's getting himself choked up before the show. Uh, I figured it was going to be something like that, or like the Benny Hill theme, or something like that. No, we play the Benny Hill theme when we start talking about capitalism. But for another time. Uh, anywho, um, I think this is going to be in a uh, the format. Uh, there is definitely one of us that falls in the the farther left persuasion on this program. That being. Uh, this year, um, I think this is going to be uh, kind of in the format of Adam is going to s- present his dissertation and then we'll ask him to defend it afterwards. So, without further ado, oh yeah, we got Josh with us too. I don't know the camera hasn't been anybody but me. Say hi to everybody, um, Adam. We're ready for your opening statement. Well, I mean, it's I don't want it to seem like I'm like on trial here or anything like that. It's I'm not- getting- you're not on trial. We're just, you know, this is Can, a. I, I, I got a way that might temp- be a little easier to start it if you want. Go, sure. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, do you have, and if you don't, it's okay. We can uh-huh. we can go in a different direction. But do you have a brief definition of how you define socialism? And I guess the follow up. I'll give you the follow up before we even start. Is okay. is there? a difference between socialism and communism? And if so, what is it? Yeah. Um, I mean, what, what, I mean, when you're talking about socialism and communism, yes, they're both, they're both different things. Um, they're both different terms. They're both, uh, I don't know if they're different ideologies, but they definitely go hand in hand with each other. I mean, usually in today's modern day and age, uh, they're very synonymous. Usually when somebody's talking about socialism, they're also talking about communism and vice versa. Uh, it hasn't always been like that. And theoretically, it's not like that. Um, there is there is a difference between socialism and there is a difference between communism. Um, there's a difference between types of socialism, too. I think that's where the, where the, biggest, um, where the biggest difference lies in my own opinion, because when you're talking about communism, communism is the end goal of socialism. And socialism, there are many different aspects of socialism that can lead to communism. Different theories of socialism and philosophies of socialism that can eventually, um, that is eventually supposed to lead to um, communism. That's why, I mean, I. Re- I'm more so referring to myself as an anarcho-communist. However, you know, the basis of that is that everything, everything should be anarchist when it comes to communism. Um, and, I'll, and I'll get to that as we move on. But uh, when it comes to communism, it's the goal. It's a classless, stateless society um, with, the, with the marks saying, you know, to each according to their ability, to each according to their name. That is the end goal of socialism. Socialism is collective control of the means of production by the working class, and it's emancipation of labor from capital. That is the pretty much the bare bones 
um, definition of socialism. And essentially, too, what socialism is, or I'm sorry, what socialism is not, is it's not a it's not a set of government programs. That's not what socialism typically is. Socialism, like I said, it is a it is a collective control of the means of production. Now again, there are different form socialism too in and of itself is revolutionary. Um again, for the very most part. Now there are different types of socialism. There's one type of socialism that doesn't see as a re of revolution necessary in order to obtain obtain socialism and to eventually obtain communism, and that's utopian socialism. Um, it seems like everybody, whether you're talking about Lenin, whether you're talking about Mao, whether you're talking about Marx, whether you're talking about Kropotkin, has some type of problem with utopian socialism. And utopian socialism is um, basically socialism that will come about without revolution. They think that um, the bourgeoisie will go ahead and just turn over their property, turn over their capital, and form this socialist state, which isn't going to be the case. Now, the other side of that is called... Is that linked to Fabianism? What is Fabianism? Uh, maybe... <clears throat> I don't want to interrupt you with it, but maybe we can get to it later. It's more similar to your utopian one, I guess I would say. The, the, it, okay, it, what it, the Fabian society... It, it might be. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't looked at it. Fabian Society of Great Britain. Yeah, I haven't looked into the Fabian Society um, myself, but it might be. It might be. I don't know. I don't. I'll wanna... find a. I'll find a time to interject. Okay. Um, on the other end of utopian <laughs> socialism is scientific socialism, which is, in the broader sense, what most people are. Is 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 what they think about when they think about socialism, and under that, under scientific socialism, you have more of this branching out in in terms of your type of socialism. Um, again, this is more revolutionary socialism. It is revolutionary socialism. Uh, and there are two types of socialism in this sense. There's libertarian socialism, which uh, I subscribe to. And then there's authoritarian socialism. Um, as far as libertarian socialism goes, it's destroying the state and developing a new society out of the shell of the old. Um, other relatable terms to this include anarcho-communism, like I mentioned before, anarcho-syndicalism, libertarian Marxism, um, and uh, so on and so forth. Um, aside from libertarian socialism, the other end of that is authoritarian socialism, which is secure and state control because it is an inevitable aspect to deal with. If socialists don't take it, then capitalists, nationalists will. Um Authoritarian socialists, they don't take the state as it is, but what they will do is they will strip it down to, of its military police force um, and bureaucracy from there. And other relatable terms to authoritarian socialism would be Leninism, Maoism, Marxism, so on and so forth. Um, when it comes to both of these theories and philosophies, I think that the burden of proof lies more so on the authoritarian socialism end of things uh, much more so than the libertarian socialism arm of things simply because 
like I said, the end goal of socialism should be communism, which is a stateless, moneyless, classless society. So if you're trying to achieve this, I mean, it would seem, it would seem counterproductive and hypocritical in a sense to undertake state control in order to achieve your means. Um, that's why, like I said, I think the burden of proof lies with the authoritarian socialists more so than the libertarian socialists. Not to mention, uh, there are examples within history, recent history, and modern day history, which, which I'm talking about today, where anarcho-communism and libertarian socialism has worked and it continues to work. And I've mentioned it on, on, on shows before, um, you know, when I've, when I've mentioned revolutionary Spain, um, free Ukraine, um, are two uh, instances in the past where, you know, they've probably been the more successful um, anarcho-communist and libertarian socialist societies. Uh, and then today we have the Zapatistas within Southern Mexico and the Chiapas, and then Rojava in the Middle East with the, uh, with the Kurds in, in Syria and some portions of Syria and Northern Iraq. So, like I said, I think the burden of proof lies more so on the end of authoritarian socialism than it does with uh, libertarian socialism. What is democratic socialism? Democratic socialism is, I mean, a lot of people are getting their their fair dosage of democratic socialism, especially within the within the last you know few years with the emergence of Bernie Sanders and Alexander Ocasio Cortez. Um, Rashidi Tlaib here, you know, in, in the Metro Detroit area. Um, Democratic socialists, I know that, I know some, some socialists have a problem with them. Some, some might refer to them as, as neoliberals. I don't. Um, I definitely think that, that Democratic socialists are, are true leftists in the sense that they do want to bring on change within this within within the world and a socialist change within the world uh the biggest difference between them um the the best difference the best explanation that i that i was able to find and you know the best explain this is that when you're talking about um libertarian socialism and authoritarian socialism in regard to leninism or maoism or marxism is those undertake socialism by ways of revolution. Um, I like to see it as democratic socialists want to undertake, you know, change through evolution. They're the ones that are going to be more prone to inserting themselves within capitalism to try to change and reform capitalism and eventually bring on a socialist society. Would a democratic socialist acknowledge what you were honest enough to acknowledge that communism is the end game? I don't know. I guess it depends on which democratic socialist that you are, you know, that you're talking to and what the, the, the ones that you named. I don't know to tell you the truth. Um, I, <laughs> I haven't spoken to Bernie Sanders. I haven't spoken to AOC or she to leave. So I don't, I don't know. And I haven't heard them talk about communism. Hey, Adam is to your congresswoman. Um, you know what? I don't know. She's not? No. No. 
Yeah, she's very I, close. I, I, very close, close to where we're at. It's a 25 minute drive. Yeah, but, yeah. But no. Yeah. Okay. Well, you're you're in the same county that she you know represents, but at the same time, like half of everybody in Michigan lives in that county. So yeah, it's a couple people who uh, have you know jurisdiction there. Look at Dorf talking like he's like some outsider of Michigan. <laughs> hey, yeah, I am know. no longer a resident. I have no agent here for five weeks. Uh, anyways, um, I, I to answer that portion of the question, I don't, I don't know, Josh. Communism is such a taboo word in this country, mm-hmm. so I don't think. I mean, if you're asking me, I don't think that that was something is something that they would admit, just because I think that there's such a a huge misunderstanding when it comes to communism and when it comes to really socialism too in a, in a, in a large sense. So when you are saying that you like socialism and like communism, are you acknowledging that this fear of it and this dislike of it isn't completely unwarranted? I mean, you're not, are, I mean, are you a fan of what they did in the USSR or what they did in China what they did in Venezuela, what they did in Cuba. No, but I'm I No, but I also I also understand too that a lot of um a lot of what has happened in some of these countries. I mean, when we're talking about when we're talking about Venezuela, um especially and in some aspects Cuba as well. Um it was a direct result of having to deal with cl- capitalism on a global stage i mean when we're talking about venezuela uh, when we're talking about uh cuba uh, a lot of those people have had to suffer yes because of some of the yeah because of, of of dictatorships within their own country but they've also had to suffer too because of 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 the capitalistic tendencies within you know these superpowers around them namely the united states going in 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 Putting forth these, uh, you know, these these sanctions on their economy, which yeah, is going to cripple any uh, any country that isn't on the same tier or the, or the same uh, level that that the United States is on. Um, so yeah, I mean, of course, there's you know sanctions from the most powerful country in the world, um, and a in a very capitalist world is going to cripple your economy economy in, in some sense or another um i'm not i'm not i'm not going to to uh, to dismiss some of the uh, atrocities that some of these dictators have 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 put forth on their people but at the same time um i don't think people in the west or people who subject themselves or or live you know under a, a you know within a capitalist country um, should look past some of the atrocities that capitalism has also caused as well. I I want to challenge you on that statement there, Adam. What what specific name a couple of those atrocities that that you would like to attribute to capitalism? Because you know I I think that just at the same time some of these these atrocities that are associated with communism aren't necessarily the fault of communism it just is the madman at the helm at the time but what are, what are some of these atrocities of capitalism that you'd you know that you that you'd attribute to capitalism because at the same time if we want to if we really want to start keeping score on this isn't the capitalist economic system the greatest uplifting drive of people out of 
misery and poverty in the history of ever? No, absolutely not. I mean, you could. I think you could. I think you could argue the exact opposite. You see, that's that's one of the biggest lies within capitalism itself. That it's a that it's a voluntary. Um, that that's it's a voluntary um, economic system where you know people have the opportunity to you know bring themselves out of poverty and make their well you know, no, no no that's that's not the argument I would make okay um, well what why I would say it's the biggest one of the biggest or the biggest driver of economic uplifting is I I, I hate this analogy rising tides raises all boats the capitalist economic system has brought forth the societal and economic conditions that allow more and more people every day to worry less about the necessities and more about luxuries and, ha and pursuits of different Does it? happinesses. Does it? Oh, absolutely. In terms of how? Um, the capitalist economic model had, you know, it, it's the whole idea of of growth of a overall economy from the macro perspective. When the pie grows, the your, your overall your slice may be the small a smaller piece of the overall pie. However, your slice is still bigger. Um, you know what? It, 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 as someone who generally identifies as a, a absolute capitalist here, um, I still will acknowledge the end state of capitalism. Is a monopolistic hellhole with absolute um, concentration of all wealth and capital, and therefore political power in the hands of a very few people, which is you know just the okay, same problem well, uh, that we had with even in a sort of monarchy, monarchical or feudalistic state. Okay, well, I'm glad you could admit that, but go on. I'm I'm fully admitting that. However, you know, however, we don't operate in in reality. We don't operate in a binary where just because something has some bad elements, therefore other option good, you know, we're not, we're not there. And, okay. Well, you know, can you take, can you take that same concept with, with socialism and communism then? Sure. Because you've, However, because we've had such a binary, we've had such binary thinking when it comes to socialism and communism, especially, oh, and, and especially sitting in this Adam, country right you're, now. You're, you're not wrong because you know what? Binaries are very easy and easy for, lay people to understand, especially when it's distilled down to, you know, a six minute TV segment or a 30 second sound bite, you know, why get into the nuance of stuff when you convince, convince more people than not, when you can just come up with a phrase like orange man bad or, you know, you know, red, uh, I don't know, commies bad, freedom good. Like that's, that's as simple as it, because that's all it takes. It's the lazy route. I am not fully against some of the tenets of socialism. However, because of the things I value both culturally, mostly culturally, the implementation of and the steps needed and necessary to get to a the perfect on paper, you know, socialist slash communist state are just untenable to me. And therefore, you know, capitalism is the best, you know, is the worst system except all the others. If, if I so, may jump it, in it, for a second. No, ahead, no, Josh. Josh, go ahead. <clears throat> um, Dorf, I actually agree with your basic statement, the idea that capitalism has brought more people out of poverty <clears throat> than any other system in the world ever. I, I do agree with that statement. Um, where 
I am very open to what Adam is saying and want to hear about it is because you hear communists and socialists, you hear them say, when when guys like me point to the USSR, guys like me point to Venezuela, the thing that non-communists, I don't want I don't want to necessarily say that capitalists and communists are always the polar opposite of one another and that that that, that is the 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 two sides of the coin here because I actually don't really buy that narrative. But what they'll tell you is, well, that communism, that wasn't real communism. That wasn't how it was supposed to work. That, you know, was done wrong. And what I like to say when people are criticizing a system of capitalism is that, to me, almost all things that can be used critically against capitalism you can just as easily say, well, that wasn't real capitalism. Most of the problems with capitalism come from crony capitalism, come from state capitalism, come from capitalism being regulated by the government, which any regulation on capitalism makes it less capitalism. So this is is an issue, and I feel like it could be the same issue, and I feel like Adam's working on making this point here that could be the same issue as to the criticisms of communism that everything that went wrong with it was a step taken away from communism and i say that about capitalism too every everything that goes wrong with it is a step away from legitimate capitalism because capitalism quite frankly is the natural state of things you know People are working to make themselves better, and they are, you know, trading, trading labor for goods that they that they need. Even Karl Marx would tell you that socialism is impossible without first having capitalism. You have to have capitalism first, build up, let it fail through people stepping in and ruining the capitalism, and then enters socialism and it's inevitably like, communism. Oh, is that, is that Mao and not Marx? It's definitely Marx. I thought it, I thought it was Marx. It's definitely okay. Marx. If it's Mao as well, it could be. Yeah. But definitely Marx. Um, well, well, I mean, says it, that which is the first thing, any, Mar- any true Marxist, the very first thing you would say, and many communists have said this for decades and decades now, when you talk about the USSR, is you would say, it was failed from the beginning, Communism is absolutely impossible in a place that is seventy-five percent um, farmers. Well, let's. I mean, when you when you look at when you look at the USSR too, in and of itself, you got to take a look at at the at the bigger picture with it than than you know just you know the, the surface arguments and the surface appearance of it. Um, I mean. The USSR, you know, was was obviously bred out of revolution, um, with the you know the Russian imperialist, and uh, I mean they had to deal with a bunch of different aspects within itself. With you know, I'm talking about World War One, I'm talking about World War Two, and then eventually they're bringing themselves into a, in, into the Cold War. You see, the United States has been very very fortunate, and you know, from that aspect of having two large oceans between them. And not really having to deal with any foreign threat when it comes to uh, Nazi Germany or, um, you know, 
or, or fascist, you know, uh, Italy and so on and so forth, or Japan on, you know, you know, Imperial Japan, you know, on, on your, uh, on your Eastern coast there. So, I mean, like I said, the United States has been very, very fortunate to, to have their, their bread of, of, of capitalism and have it evolve from there. Just because they really haven't been able to, they were, they haven't had to deal with any of the things that uh, that countries in Europe have had to deal with. And I think you can make a a, a, a good argument that World War One and World War Two were huge benefits for the United States in terms of their oh, capitalist. I, I don't think anybody will debate that with you. It's, no, it's I, no, one of the sure. huge economic benefits. No, yeah, you could argue that is the most number one single contributing factor to the economic hegemony of the United States. Yeah, and and, the, and the last seventy five to one hundred years. Yeah, and even while capitalist countries in in Europe and communist countries in Europe were sitting there getting bombed by you well, know, they got like, the United States to get got to get all the yeah, spoils and exactly. profit from the the rebuilding without ever taking really any damage on the homeland. Sure. Other, other than the loss of human beings, but you know what? The ultimate reality of life is those are incredibly replaceable um, from a macroeconomic perspective. Yeah. So um, it, one of the uh, one of the things historically speaking that um, I actually believe I'm not a socialist, I'm not a communist, but I believe that socialists and communists should use this talking point more often, and that is that when it comes to Russia. And actually, this could be used by just about anybody, regardless of what your economic beliefs are or philosophical beliefs. But when it comes to Russia, Russia has been a backward and troubled nation under Forever. just about every type of system you can have. They've remained powerful at times, but they have been backward and messy as... A communist country, as a socialist country, ever as, as a revolutionary part country, as a peaceful country, as a monarchy, as a capitalist country, as just about every damn thing you can think of. <laughs> so, they, well, I mean, if you if you look at how the history of how the Russian Empire was formed, I mean, it was toppled by Mongolia, and then the Mongolian Empire faded, and then they just kind of slowly conglomerated a bunch of very different people, very different people from very diverse, you know, ethnic and religious backgrounds into one, under one czarist rule, um, the economy failed, or it was largely failing. I mean, just like it was everybody at that point in, in you know, mid-1800s Europe. And they chose to go full, you know, let's call it go full Marx, because that was, at, this, at the time, that was the one way to unify a people. Ultimately, what makes a, a great culture is like a unifying belief system. And how do you get such a unified or a diversified, very unique set group of, of people that fall under the purview of the Russian Empire to to unite? And that had to be under a classless, you know, system where religion didn't matter, class doesn't matter, um, background doesn't matter, that everybody is truly in equally the same and you know there is no difference you know whether that's through the 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 forced abolition of religion or you know 
demonization of out groups at all. I mean, if you if you just look with the the, the Holodomor and what they did to you know largely very working class a group of very working class farmers um, because they were just slightly better than the they were cast out of the proletariat and because they were you know just slightly better because they were good at farming compared to everybody else who would never really progress beyond like hunter gatherers or, or basic industrial. Um, that's the one way that the Russians, the Russia, as it is now known today, kind of was able to unify behind one common set of ideals. Whereas in the United States, it was initially fleeing religious oppression, and then now it's turned into freedom America. Fuck yeah, you know, <laughs> whatever. We could debate about the 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 what what is the unifying threat of the United States. Largely, most of Central and Western Europe, the unifying factor for them was, believe it or not, both religion and monarchy. The different, you know, are there the, the loyalty that the different monarchs of the region, you know, that was their unifying factor. And that's why, you know, the smaller, I would call it lesser modern kingdoms or countries, or if you call it like a, like a Denmark or a or a Switzerland or something like that, who is not a big player on the economic world stage, but they're still a unifying, their unifying threat is still that common like heritage and ancestry, but that was established because common, I don't want to call it love because it's not love in the traditional sense, but like fear or respect or whatever of, or belief in a legit, the local monarch being legitimate and, religious and cultural traditions, whereas like Russia and China and hell, even if you want to even go to like Cambodia, they don't have that. So what they're, they're unified forced to be the way they were forced to unify in order to take, I hate the term, the great leap, that great leap forward was to pursue a classless religionless society that, Unfortunately, the way to do that in a relatively quick fashion is purge the dissenters, and that's just kind of the reality of the situation. Because you know what, they were playing a a global power game. Because if you aren't unified, and there isn't just a huge gap in the overall power between two adversarial sides, whether it's militarily or economically, um, the more unified side's going to win. That's why you kind of see, oh, you know, what makes America great, you know, the freedom and, and such like that. But if you look at like a more a larger, wider scaled perspective, that's part of the reason that China scares the shit out of me as an American. They have forced compliance and broken the wills of anybody who is, you know, would be able to, or willing to go against, you know, the group think there. Adam, what's going to win? Oh, what's going to win? What's more efficient, the Chinese system and the American system when they're both competing on a global in a global economic war? In the long game, it's the Chinese system, and that scares the ever loving shit out of me. I, I, I don't I don't know if I don't know if that's true or not. Um, I mean, I, I think you you said a lot there. I, I think some of it was was pretty valid. Um, I don't know that. Um, I, I don't know that China, under their current system, can actually sustain 
that kind of oh, up, it, it, upward it's, it's, power it's, movement without countries like the United States and Western Europe um, holding, well, holding a, the reins. But, that, but has, that's a different show. I mean, that really is a different show. A lot of that has show. to do with, you know, we don't have the balls to pull the plug. It'll, it'll you know, we'll kneecap ourselves, but it'll kill the Chinese economy if we were, to, were willing to do we it. We have the balls because we owe them too much money. <laughs> we don't owe them too much money. Like it, it's not that we owe them too much money. It's just too much of our overall economic production is tied to shit we pull out of there. All right. Well, I think we're getting uh, off. I think we're getting de- off. definitely yeah, off we topic. Are, we are de- definitely off topic. Sorry, Adam. I got I got three questions okay. that I was going to ask you very separately, but since you kind of touched on all of it in your opening things, I'm just going to ask all three of them right in a row and. Maybe some of them you're going to think, well, I, I already answered that completely. Or maybe you want to kind of touch back on it or rehash it. And that is, when it comes to communism, what was done wrong before? What can be done right? And what is real communism? Um, well, I mean, there's there's a bunch of... And I don't want to make it seem like I'm, I'm some expert on, on communism or socialism. Because, quite frankly, I've... I've I'm making more of a transition from liberalism to communism. Well, um, the reason we're asking you, and yes, no, we, no, are, I, I know and we, we, we are putting you on the spot, is because you're one of the few people I know who is brave enough, because I actually know the answer mm-hmm. to the Bernie Sanders question, and no, there's no way in hell he's going no, to and admit that's, and that's, that, that he's going to go to communism. Yeah. Maybe AOC will, because she's goofy enough to do it. Mm-hmm. Not because she means it or knows what the hell it means, but because she's a weirdo. Well, and I think she knows what it means, but go ahead. <laughs> she, as someone coming from you who just said you're not an expert on something, well, AOC sure as hell isn't an expert on it either. I, I'm not saying that she knows nothing or that she's a complete moron, mm-hmm. but comparatively speaking. Um, I'm willing to say it. She's a complete moron. I, I, I think she is, too, for the most part, especially in her position. You know, I mean, you you expect a certain level of credibility, intelligence, and knowledge in, in the position she's in, and she doesn't have it. But, Adam, you are somebody who's brave enough to say, hey, I am a communist. I like communism. And you make points, hell, you make points much better than AOC does. You make points better than Bernie Sanders does. Honestly. Well, thank you. I you do. I'm I'm willing to listen to you, but um, most well, of the, the people at the who, same time, Adam is lives in the world where he can sit here and flush out his ideas on a roughly an hour long podcast. Whereas, unfortunately, Bernie and and AOC and any other sort of let's call it more left of center thought leader doesn't live in that world. Bernie Sanders could have a podcast if he wanted. Anybody could have a podcast. <laughs> yeah, okay, but Bernie Sanders largely operates in the 30-second soundbite, soundbite land. But he doesn't um, have and, to. And it doesn't change the fact that the, that's what he currently does. And if he actually wanted to be like a, like a thought leader on anything like that, um, yeah. I, I mean, I'm pretty I sure Bernie Sanders probably still has a, I'm pretty sure Bernie Sanders okay. still has a flip phone. Yeah, um, I mean, but actually, Dorf, there's hour-long interviews with Bernie Sanders all over the place. Him, him being sound bites isn't actually his fault. It's actually the media's fault, and it's our fault because that's what we're listening to. You, oh, there's plenty out there, but, but okay, let, yeah, let, let, let Adam yeah, jump to the yeah, questions. Are, you want me to re- repeat them, or? Um, well, what did what did socialism do, or what did communism yeah. do wrong? Yeah, what what was done wrong before? What can be done right, and what is real communism? Are you are you talking are you talking about from 
the standpoint of the Soviet Union? Of of any of the major countries. You did a great job of listing okay. um, some examples of success. But they're extremely small places. They're, mm-hmm. you know, um, and their success isn't quite- a success with longevity. Which, that doesn't mean it's not successful. That, that doesn't mean that at all, but... Josh, Josh, also to add your point, if they if they stood any sort of economic threat to the, the powers of the world or the, the powers that be, they, you know, they would instantly wipe off the map. Well, yeah, that's, actually, well that's, 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 that's exactly... Maybe, maybe not. It's neat. I mean, perhaps. Well, that's exactly, that's exactly why the United States, I think, has such a big problem with socialism and communism, because it is a direct threat to their... Um, to their to their capitalistic society, or if you mm-hmm. want to if you want to go with you know with I mean, even want to say it's, it's, it's their it's, it's their capitalistic state. society it's their threat to their position as top dog in the world. Okay, well, tomato tomato. Um, I, and and I can see that Adam <laughs> in in terms of Cuba, in terms of Venezuela, but in terms of free Ukraine, one of the ones you mentioned, it ain't the United States stopping them. You know, I mean, it's more, well, it's, yeah, no, it's what, more Russia no, that's no, stopping. Well, yeah, the ironic thing about free Ukraine is that they eventually, they inherently had the support of the Bolsheviks and the Red Army um, in their, in, in the militia of the of free Ukraine, they were called the Black Army. Um, and they were fighting the White Army, which were the imperialists, the nationalists of, um, of the surrounding territories. Um, and like I said, they they inherently had the support of the Bolsheviks, and they inherently had su- the support of the Red Army of, of the Soviet Union. Um, ironically, though, what ended up taking them down was the Red Army and the Bolsheviks, which is another one of my big criticisms of, of authoritarian socialism, especially it, like in that sense, because, okay, well... You sit here and you and you say, and I'm talking to you know Vladimir Lenin in this sense. You sit here, you you you're talking about you know trying to achieve communism, and you know and what is communism? A stateless, classless, moneyless society. That was achieved. That was achieved in free Ukraine. It was achieved in 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 a, in and it had a of a, a population of over seven million people. Yeah, what did you do? You went and you destroyed it. Why? Why? Why did something like that happen? And if you if you ask me, and you could go on to the to you know the philosophies and the theories behind um, behind Leninism, which you know the theories behind Leninism are fine, but it, and, and a lot of the problems with 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 communism are the people that undertake the leadership roles of. Um, like I don't even want to bring up a guy like Stalin because Stalin was was a monster. He was a he was a ruthless dictator. And how do you? How do, he wasn't a communist. It was just an avenue. For yeah. Power I mean, fantasy. I mean, I mean, he's he's almost he's almost like a like a um, Vladimir Putin in the sense that he's going to take on whatever role thinks is going to gain him the most power. Quite on, honestly, you could even you could argue that Putin is like the like a academic textbook definition of a fascist. You could, um, but as far as but as far as your questions go, Josh, I'm going I'm going to address it from an anarcho-communist standpoint than a libertarian or an authoritarian um, socialist, mm-hmm. um, because when it comes to 
when it comes to you know like revolutionary spain or free ukraine um i think you've got to ask yourself the question were those were they destined to fail for the betterment of communism as a whole and i think there i think there could be an argument um that could be made for that because if they didn't fail then future communists future anarcho-communists libertarian socialists wouldn't be able to learn from their mistakes. Um, one thing that I think that both of those societies could have done better, and maybe this wasn't an avenue open to them just quite yet, I think they had to become more international. I think that they had to network their message better, and I think they needed to be bigger. I think they needed to be bigger to take on the fascists in Spain in the nationalist when we're talking about free Ukraine and um and uh and you know what happened with, with Russia. In so, early Russia. In early Russia, yeah. I think that those are some of the biggest downfalls of them was they weren't big enough and they weren't they weren't internationalist enough. Um from this point forward in the show, I think it'd be better. I mean and I'm not saying no one is allowed to make any other point, but but I think it would be better if, when we're addressing stuff to you, Adam, yeah. let's assume that we're talking about your preferred form of communism. Okay. You know, you're, um, you know, you kind of defined what anarcho-communism is and how. So, so when you're talking about this, this is this, this is your form of communism. That it doesn't mean you have to endorse everything that free free Ukraine ever did, even though you support mm -hmm. them, or that revolutionary Spain did, mm -hmm. even though you support them, or the Zapatistas, or, or whomever. Um, and we'll we'll work off the assumption that you don't want to be Joseph Stalin, no. either, of course, no. um, <laughs> or even Vladimir Lenin or Trotsky. Is this is it's okay to say that or assume that? No, well, it's a it's a form of. Socialism. So, yeah, I mean, and, and we know that, that, you know, Leninism, which I think, I mean, when, when we studied Leninism, I think he was definitely more of a pure communist than than Stalin was, for sure, because Stalin was, was, Stalin was an autocrat. I think more. Stalin was an autocrat. He's an opportunist. Sure. Um, and we, we know from history that Lenin wanted his successor to be Trotsky. Yeah, Lenin said, I, Lenin was very, very... Um, hesitant and weary of 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 stalin on his on his deathbed he mm -hmm. was he was it, it, lenin was even weary about the state that you know was being mm -hmm. undertaken in in soviet russia when he was when he was dying so i mean i think i think of <laughs> i think of lenin could come back and look upon what obviously what ended up being of the soviet union obviously he's not going to be happy with that but I think the immediate aftermath of his death and what happened after that, I'm sure Lenin probably definitely wouldn't be happy about how things transpired. So, you know, from that perspective that we're kind of, you know, taking it from, from this angle now, is there still capitalism within communism? Uh, yeah, I think when, yeah, because when you look at, um, well, no, there, I mean, purebred communism there is no capitalism okay there is not so my kid can't have a lemonade stand or well <laughs> yes your kid can have a lemonade stand but with um with there not being any money there wouldn't 
you know, nobody would be paying for the lemonade. They would just be making lemonade and handing out, you know, lemonade to whoever wanted it. Okay, so, but but are you at least allowed to do the job you want to do? Yes, and that's the beauty of, that's the beauty of communism, is that, um, is that, yes, you would be able to do the job that you want to do. Yes, there would be some, there would be some jobs that needed to be undertaken to make society work, but ultimately what you're going to be able to do is have more leisure time. And that's something that, that I know that Peter Kropotkin um, talked about a lot, and he was, he's the godfather of anarcho, anarcho-communism. He talked about leisure time and the importance of leisure time and when it comes to um, you know just the idea of work and what it is what what it means to work and, and and what it means to work in a communist society an anarcho-communist society as opposed to a capitalist society, um, whereas you know in a capitalist society you do work solely to make money. You may like the job, you may hate the job, um, whereas also in a capitalist society you could still do some work that you like, but if you don't get paid for that work, then ultimately it's not going to be considered quote unquote work. It's going to be considered a hobby. Whereas in an anarcho-communist society, yes, there is work in order to make in order to make society run. However, there's also leisurely work as well, which would be that work that you would undertake to, um, you know, that you may like, and that is also going to help society, uh, you know, function and work in the short and long terms. Okay, so, so I'm a dude mm-hmm. in this communist, you know, society, in this communist country yeah. at this point. And, um, you know, I, I grew up as a farmer, but, you know, don't have any enough land anymore. So I've been working in a factory, but I'm real good on good with cars. So can I, am I allowed to quit my job at the factory and put up a sign outside my house or wherever or my shop and say, hey, I'll work on your car. I am a mechanic. I will fix cars. Um, I know there's no money, but am I allowed to set this up and say, you know, I will fix anybody's car for, well, my wife likes jewelry and, um, you know, um, I'll work for, you know, old cars or I like Italian and Mexican food so you can cook for me. I mean, is that, are you allowed to do that? Is it, is a barter system viable at all? Um, or working for, because I know money doesn't exist, but things are still valuable. You know, there, 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 there are valuable things out there. So I, I, I'm just wondering how money can be completely done away with when people still like diamonds or people still like you know like something like anything you know i don't know whether it's uh, well, let's cat, just call it this Josh, clothes or should you be allowed to pursue livestock. economically inefficient things should you be allowed in 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 you know perfect communist land to pursue inefficient economic things that what what you what defines that is up to you in this current example. Yeah, I don't I don't like the term economic in a you know inefficient things because 
in that, that's kind of subjective. I mean, I mean, when you're talking about economic well, inefficiency, it, it, Josh, it, it can really not. If you actually want to quantify each hour of labor as a production output, you know, us doing this podcast right now for, you know, we haven't made a dime off this thing. Hell, we're I don't know how much money we're technically in the hole on direct expenses here, but. Um, this is an economically inefficient activity. But it is, it but how is how is working on a car an economically inefficient? Activity? You see, you guys, you guys, you guys are looking at this from a capitalistic viewpoint. Well, but I'm just I'm no, looking at no. it as I'd rather, you know, work on cars. Am I allowed to do that? Okay, am I allowed okay, to well, try let, it okay, and fail? Okay, or okay try well, let me, let me let me let me let me let me let me answer. Asking, go ahead, Adam, let sorry. me answer Josh's question because, Josh, yes, you will be allowed to work on cars. Um, your wife will be allowed to what make, is it make jewelry? Is that what you said? No, I was saying I was, I was taking that because my wife likes jewelry. Uh-huh. I was, you, that could be a mode of payment for me working on your car. Okay. And, and, and Peter Kropotkin, he, he, he touches on this, um, where, let me, let me make sure that, um, well, let me just, let me find where he, uh, where he talks about it just so I know. Did I get this right? But basically, what he was referring to is like if if somebody likes grand pianos, and he used the, he used a piano um, mm-hmm. example. Um, if somebody liked pianos, and obviously money isn't a factor here, what that person could do is go and um, volunteer themselves in a carpentry collective. Um, that's you know, specifically within a, a group of people that makes pianos. And what you would do is you would help out in that collective. And once you are done helping out, you would get yourself a piano. Now, what you're talking about is going and quitting certain jobs and just doing, you know, and going and wanting to sell cars. Um, a lot of, you know, what, what, what within anarcho-communism, there's a bunch of free association. There's a bunch of collectives. Um, that, that make the societies function. Um, there's also direct democracy within all of this too. Uh, and a lot of this is going to be determined on, on, on what the people decide for themselves, how they're going to function within their own society. So okay, whether, or not, whether or not you can go off and quit your job, well, that's just going to be left up to the collective as a whole and whether or not that's something that's going to you know, be done or allowed to be done. Um, I okay. don't know. It's so all good. It's Adam, all going to. It's all going to be left up to the collective once this is once this society is established. Go ahead, Dor. Okay, so say we faithfully implement the scenario you just discussed there. What is your enforcement mechanism? Human beings are ultimately human in the end and seek easy routes to pleasure over tough routes through pain. Do they though? Oh, absolutely. Do they? I mean, because that, that's that's one that's one of the biggest. I, I know that's one of the biggest criticisms towards towards communism and, and Kropotkin. Yeah. Kropotkin and, addri- and what is if you can't create economic incentive? What is your incentive structure that is going to force people to participate in the dirty work of society? I'm talking, you know, growing your food. Is really really hard grueling work. Okay. Working uh, collecting garbage is hard. 
grueling, backbreaking work. Again, this is something that's going to be addressed as a as as, a, as your, a whole collective. Okay, so if <laughs> if you can't financially incentivize people to do this work, okay, well, what do you, what you're do you, only uh, hang on. Okay, go ahead. In order to achieve this, you know, well, just because you know collectives will handle it all. If you can't have, what is your incentive structure that's going to encourage people to produce and participate in the dirty, ugly, backbreaking, disgusting work that's necessary to keep a modern society functioning? Well, if you and if and if your answer is, you know, at the force of imprisonment or death, we will force people on a rotating basis to do this. That's fine. Just please admit that. That's that's all. Because you know what. Nobody is going to be willing to be Bob the Builder or Kevin the Garbage Man if he can sit around and live the same life as, you know, Joe the Artist. I'm, I'm sorry. That's that's not how human beings work. Okay, well, it is It is how human beings work, and there is no, there's no direct evidence that suggests that if there is a stateless, moneyless society that people are just going to sit on their ass all day and do nothing. There is the no, there isn't, Dorf. Show me, show me, show me that evidence because you knew we were doing this show tonight. You knew we were doing the show tonight, and that is one of the biggest criticisms towards communism. You should have brought that to the table, and probably one of the reasons why you didn't bring about, that to the table. Give me about, give me about. And one of the reasons why you probably yeah. didn't bring that to the table is because there is no sufficient evidence that suggests that that's going to be the case. You're telling me incentive structures and and power dynamics have or, you know, of human beings through direct observation that you it's since like the no history no of dwarf man, because because we've well, seen uh, well, we've seen we've seen large populations of people uh, successfully run an anarcho communist society as much as we don't want to believe because that dwarf. Never under as, as, as because much, they aren't a threat to anybody else. Okay, well, okay, well, threat has how not. You, okay. No, Dorf, hold on, hold on a second, hold on a second, Dorf, hold on a second, hold on a second, Dorf. Threat has nothing to do in the sense of everyday functionality. Threat has something to do with it. That's something that is completely. Such a, a that is something. That is some. That is some. No, because life. no threat. Threat has something to do with the survival as a whole, but not day to day functionality. Yeah, because and, your incentive and, structure and your day-to-day -day reality is I get up and go to work every day despite the fact I don't want to. Yeah, you do it because you have to make money. You're forced to because you have to make money threat, in a capitalist the society. Of, the threat of economic ruin is a powerful motivator. Yes, you, in a capitalist when society. That, when you remove that You do that threat. through revolutionary hey guys, means. Hey That's the way you do it, Dorf. Hey, guys, hold okay. on a second. All right. That, that, we're we're, okay. we're getting off. We're, hang on, Dorf, shut up for a second. Let, let me okay. let me take this in a different <laughs> let me take this in a different direction, and I'm not changing the subject. I'm I'm not breaking off from what you guys are saying. I'm just you know, just kind of slightly thro throwing something into this that is relevant to both sides. Okay, um, we rarely talk about our day jobs on this show. I, I don't find it relevant to do that most times on a podcast, but today I, I will to some degree because I find it to be very relevant to this topic at hand. My day job, the one I've done for the last 24 years, is one of the jobs that was said by George W. Bush to be, quote-unquote, a job Americans won't do. Reason we need to bring in um, 
immigrants and illegal immigrants is what he was referring to at the time. That's where the Republican Party was not that long ago, folks. Um, no, less, you less we forget. Hang on, hang on. Dora. Dora, hold on I, I got I to make, make this point, man. I haven't even started making the point. I'm agreeing with you, Josh. I, I know you are. I know you okay, are. Okay, well, let him make the point, Dork. Yeah, just let, let me make the point. Um, under this capitalist society, supposedly, because I don't think, you know, under this pseudo-capitalist society that we're living in now, I can't find anybody to work. I've, I cannot get anybody to work on my crew. To the point where every once in a while I kind of wonder, hey, maybe George W. Bush had a point. But I can't find anybody to work. And actually, that, that goes for immigrants too. Because people under this capitalist society would rather go, I, quite frankly, I can't afford to pay them enough. Because I do back-breaking work. Dirty, nasty work. I do roofing for a living. And yes, it involves a lot of cleaning raccoon crap out of gutters and carrying 100-pound bundles up ladders. And it's not the funnest job in the world. And under this certain society, I can't find anybody to do it because they'd rather take a dollar to an hour pay cut and go work at Walmart. Go, you know, push carts around at Kroger. They'd rather flip burgers at Wendy's. You know, and that, that's under a capitalist society. So my question earlier when I came up with the analogy of the guy being the mechanic, I wasn't asking, will the state still support me when I do that? Mm-hmm. Um, I was simply saying, do I have the option? Can I do that if I want? I might fail. Can you be a mechanic if you want? Yeah. The answer is yes. You okay. Can. I mean, and, and I might fail. And, and that's what I'm going, because what I like about capitalism is that capitalism gives you the ability to fail but not be ruined. You know, I mean, if, if right now I said, hey, that's just what I want to do, man. I want to just work a garage out of my, out of my garage and fix people's cars because I'm good at it and I like it. And I might fail and have to go get a job at Walmart or go get another job. Or hopefully I realize it's failing before I lose my house and lose and lose everything. Or I might become really successful at it. You I mean, is that option there? And I guess it goes to the next question is, is any, under this communist society, is anything voluntary? Yeah. Yes. There are, there are voluntary aspects of it. And as far as your, as far as, you know, you know, being able to fail in a capitalist society or or you know, not enter financial ruin in a capitalist society. I mean, I would disagree with that, Josh. I think if you if you quit your job and wanted to take on you know fixing cars out of your garage, uh, and if it wasn't successful, you know at least you wouldn't be in any economic ruin in a capitalist society. I think you could you will absolutely be in economic ruin because of that because of a poor um, financial choice that you've made for yourself. Um, there's no telling whether or not you'd be able to you know, go and get a job at Walmart if you were to fail at that. Um, it all depends on, 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 on how the on how the job market is at that time and how the economy is doing. And there's so many different variables that factor into that. Um, that yeah, I definitely think that you could enter in financial ruin if if that were the case. That's why when you look at when you look at things now and in the way things in the way things are within the society the the leverage the the power that 
that bosses and and as you know Marx would say the bourgeoisie has over over the working class it's 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 crazy to think that you know that you know just because they don't like the way you might do something they can fire you from your job um like for instance if say they're not making enough money they can fire you from your job and put you in economic ruin because like i said there's no telling whether or not you're going to be able to go and get another job um where at all or or even in the sense whether or not you're going to be able to go and get a job where you you make enough money to sustain yourself you know you know day by day um in the in a communist society that's not the case that's not the case at all so um, okay. One one of the questions that I always ask, not necessarily my my, my personal ideology, the, the the word I like to assign that is synonymous with evil when I'm discussing my um my ideology is statism. Mm-hmm. I, I very much oppose statism. Um and my main reason for doing so is the basic question is if it's so good, why must it be compulsory? Why must we do it through threat of violence? Why must I do it because, you know, if it's so good, shouldn't I want to do it and not do it because somebody well, has a gun to my head? Josh, I think I think you're preaching to the choir with your brain. So, so my question is, will we be get, is there a way to get away from this in communism? Communism is a it's a stateless society. I mean, that's 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 what it is. It's inherently a stateless society. Um yeah, there's there's a way to get around it, and I will and I will say it's it's libertarian socialism. That's the way around it. It's anarcho communism. That okay. is the way around Adam, it. Adam, I think I think a better way to to summarize my more recent criticism is the I, I don't know if it's an economic or more of like a logical concept of the free rider problem. How do you overcome not only the free rider problem where Believe it or not, human beings are still animals. It's the lowest effort possible to achieve a positive evolutionary or positively cultural outcome, whatever you want to call it. There are, I would argue, a significant majority of people that would become free riders in this situation that wouldn't be positive net contributors to society necessary to keep the whole thing going if there isn't an economic incentive. Okay, Dora. I I mean I, I see what you're getting how, at here. How do we over? How do we? How do we overcome? I, I, I want to to keep going on this, and I you know what? I'd love you know a, a stateless class of society sounds interesting and something that may be worth you know morally pursuing. But the the roads and and challenges necessary to overcome to get there, and what is necessary in my mind to overcome those is what makes a lot of this a non-starter for me. Could I could I maybe so, paraphrase what you're saying into a into a quick question that I think is maybe what you're what you're getting at? Go ahead. And that is, and when I use the word punishment, I don't necessarily mean uh, you know a whip being cracked an or locked whooping, in a cage yeah. or something like that. But how are the lazy to be punished and the hardworking to be rewarded? Okay, it's it's a write off in that sense. It's a write off if somebody doesn't want to perform their duty then they are it's a it, then it's a written off but before that though within this communist society um they will be given the help that they need in terms of okay well are they 
unwilling to help because is this is this a medical condition? Is this a is this a mental condition like depression that they you know that they you know that they have? Um, because I don't know about any of, of you. I don't know about any of you, but uh, you know, I've I've made it known that I've you know that I've suffered from depression in the past, and, mm-hmm. I, and I currently you never get rid you never get rid of depression. Right. And depression is a debilitating, um, both mental and physical. Uh, I don't want to say disease, but mm-hmm. ailment that one goes through. Where, like I said, you don't even want to get out of bed some days. It is the hardest thing in the world to get out of bed. Um, they will be given, you know, they will be given that help if they want it to see whether or not it is a physical thing, if it's a, if it's a, if it's a mental thing. Now that's something you're not going to get in a in in in, in a capitalist society. Who who will help them? Um, again, the you know, um, mental professionals, um, doctors within within the society will offer them that help. But what is what is their incentive to to offer that help? Well, that's going to be their job within within this within this. What's society. my incentive to be good at it? What's your incentive to be good at it? To make to make to make to make my to be good at anything to make to make society function. That's going to be that's going to be the incentive, okay. and not and not have to worry about 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 money obtaining money because you won't need it in this sense. Everything, so, everything, everything will be provided for you. This, this still ha- doesn't overcome the free rider problem. If, if I give an okay, extra, if, if, and if, and if, if that, I give ten percent less effort, and I still get my three squares and my roof over my head, what, what's my incentive to give that ten percent? You know, I, I will never you see, see any return you on see, that you investment. See, you see, you are, you are, you are sitting here again. You're looking at this from a capitalistic approach. That's what you're doing. You are, you are under the impression that there's going to be mass you know massive amounts of people that aren't going to do their job and again that is not the case well what, what, and, I, I and, I, and i'll make it and i'll make of, it of my societal role has been determined by luck chance or otherwise that oh i'm i'm bob the garbage man for this forever or this indeterminate amount of time i don't really feel like picking up after other people you know what's my you know and what's my incentive to go do that. Dirty okay. Work okay. Another. Work. Okay. I, 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 I'm sorry, but like, I, I all right. Let me answer your you're question. Not convincing me past this because I'm not going to convince you, Dorf. You are. You are a. You are a hard-nosed capitalist, like you just admitted a little while ago. I'm I, not going to. I don't even want to say I, I'm like I, a hard-nosed. I'm not. I, I'm just looking at I'm not your going behavior to, here. How I'm are you going to motivate? I'm not going to convince you. I'm not going to convince you. I'm not. I'll tell you what. Another one of the motivations is. Being able to undertake the leisure work that you that you want to do after that job is done. But I can do that now already. No, not 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 to the not to the extent that you can under a capitalist society. No, Why not? because most of the day, because when you think about it, most of your day in a capitalist society, what do you do? You go to work from from um, nine to five. You know, you work, you know, eight hour, nine hour, 10 hour days. Then what do you do? You go home, you may eat dinner and you go to bed. You rest up for the next day's work. And that continues over and over and over again. The only time that you get to do anything that you want to do is maybe for a little bit on the weekend. 
How does but that change? How does that change though? Because most, because like I said, you are going to be subjected to yes, some 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 areas of work that yeah that may not be as desirable as other things as other areas of work. But again, this is something that can be um, that can be remedied, whether it be a you know you know whether it be rotation. Um, not to mention that uh, a lot of things too, you know, with this extra time, Kropotkin talked about this that. A lot of this extra time could be used to come up with more solutions or other solutions. So, you know, some of that, uh, some of that work that doesn't want to be done by the people, they will be able to come up with those solutions to um, figure out a way for that work to be done without the people having to do it. That's not something that can be done now. That's okay, look, look by, hang on to that exact point. I think. That's that's a great philosophical idea by Kropotkin there. But look at it in practice. Let's just take medical advances, for example. What is what is a positive world changing net benefit that has come out of communist medicine? What is what is a great leap forward? I don't think there's human health. I don't think come out of a communist country's medical system. I don't think there's really. Oh wait, there isn't one. I don't really think there's such thing as communist medicine. Okay. I mean, is that's not even communist medicine is probably the wrong term. There's there's no such thing as capitalist medicine either. Okay. (laughs) Name me something where a medical advancement made in a society where the profit incentive has been removed for that for that. We really, you really haven't been able to have one because you haven't had a communist society. Um, you know, really flourish without okay. a capitalist country well, I mean, hell, um, sanctioning it or trying to overthrow it. Okay, Dorf, this this is this is why I was trying to direct it before towards we're we're discussing we're discussing Adam and other people's vision of this in the abstract. We, we've established that the commun if. If Adam was here right now trying to sell how the USSR or the People's Republic of China or Cuba, you know, would have just been great under Mao, Stalin, and Cast and the Castro family, then I would be right here with you saying, Adam, you're full of shit. But he's not. He's not. We're we're discussing we're trying to move towards this, you know, this thing that yes, it is mythical. It is in the abstract. It it hasn't happened yet. Um, I'm not saying that your points are off. And actually, Adam, you probably do feel like you can't convince Dorf as a person, because maybe he is taking a hardline stance. But one of the questions I would ask you is, because people are different. Mm -hmm. People do have different viewpoints. Um, The United States, for many, many decades here, has functioned... I don't really care for the way it's been functioning lately, mm-hmm. but it did function and become the most powerful nation and probably the best nation in human history with a bunch of people that thought a lot of different ways. So how is anarcho-communism going to be not just acceptable, but good? It doesn't have to be fantastic, but good or decent or a guy who does think like Dorf, a guy who's maybe kind of on the right right wing side of things, or just a guy like me, for instance, who 
yes, I, I, I fall into some of the, uh, kind of a little bit of a bunch of the categories you mentioned. Yeah, I'm a guy that, you know, suffers from a little depression myself and, you know, has some issues with that um, and has definitely felt the experience of, you know, fighting that getting out of bed thing in the morning. Um, I'm also not lazy. I work hard. But I'm also, I think the thing that defines me maybe more than anything, and this is for a lot of people, is I want to be left alone. Mm-hmm. So how can guys like me and guys like Dorf and um, guys like the uh, mechanic out of his garage who I made up, how can they be okay in, in this system? Again, they don't have to be, they don't have to be better than they are now. You know, I'm, I'm just how how can they fit into this system? Well, I mean, I, I mean, I see where I see where, you know, maybe more so Dorf is is trying to you know, is is what they're what you're just trying to get out of me and saying, oh, well, you're going to be put in a gulag and you're going to be, you know, and you're going to no, be forgotten. You're going to be forgotten about gulags. Okay, and Dorf, mass let me. Graves are a function of. of Madman gone wrong. They aren't a function of, of communism directly. Okay. Um, what I would ask you is: Is there an aspect of this society where people, you know, go along with it and don't necessarily like it? Is there people living in the United States that that are living their lives that way? Oh sure. fuck yeah! Yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, absolutely. I think that I think that they that that would be the case um, when it comes to anarcho-communism. I mean, I don't think you're going to you're not. I don't think you're going to appease everybody. You're certainly not going to appease everybody. If there was a revolution tomorrow, and all of a sudden anarcho-communism was the way of life, um, I don't think. I mean, would Dorf or yourself? inherently like it no probably not um i guess it all depends on 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 what you would do in that sense would you try to undertake a revolution of your own or would you just go along with your with with life at that point Um, honestly as a as a single man with no dependents i could probably see myself uh not you know not going down without a fight, per se. Okay. Well, but if, as soon as you introduce, the majority of people in this country have that that family, that uh, the wife and children they care about. Um, as soon as you, you know, threaten or put those people, those other people they love and deeply care about, as in, in jeopardy, um, I have a hard time seeing that the majority of people won't bend the knee. To and just accept living under um, whether it ends up being an authoritarian communist state or, or whatever. Um, I think that's the reason that most things and, and, and even the bastardizations and, and not faithful adaptations of capitalism, that's why so many people get away with it and get away with that kind of authoritarian behavior is because, you know what? I got kids, man. Okay. I'm not, okay. not going to stick my head up and get pounded down. And that's because there's other people besides me that are counting on me. And Dorf, that's that's fair, and I and I see your point with that. Um, but what I what I look this is how I'm gonna this is how I look at it. 
Um, is there going to be some people going about their everyday lives who don't like that system of government? Yes, it happens all the time. It happens in this system of government. It happens in every system. It happens of in, you know, if you live under a monarchy, whatever. So unhappiness from some is an inevitability. No, yeah, yeah. The hope is, will they end up liking life, it? The, life, the majority of life is pain and suffering. The sooner the people who accept that is, the better everything will be. Will they, well, is the hope that they end up liking it in the long run? Yes. If they take up a violent revolution against against communists and the citizens within within the society, then yeah, they're going to get put down. But I can tell you one thing right now. Um, are they going to be put in jail for not paying their taxes? No. Are they going to be put in jail for, um, you know, smoking marijuana? No. Um, are they going to be put in jail for... Refusing to participate in the the garbage collective? No, they won't be. They won't be put in jail. Are they going to be put? Are they going to be put in jail for um, trying to steal food because they can't afford it, or trying to rob a store because they don't have money to live day to day their day to day life? Of course they life? won't. It's socialism. There's nothing food in the store. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I just had to say. It hey. Once. <laughs> no, that's, no, that, no, that, Bob, that's, Bob that's, that's, that's 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 a good thing. Whatever. I'm, I'm just that's kidding. not I'm that's just, that's not no that's not that's not going to happen. Um, so, I mean, to your question, yeah, there may be, there may be some people that don't like it. Okay. So you're not, you're not claiming that this is all of a sudden going to be utopia. I, I respect that. No, I mean, okay. again, people like different things. Okay. Um, Adam, you threw out a term I really liked earlier. Um, and yes, because it appeals to me, my ears perked up a little bit when you said libertarian socialism mm-hmm. and you linked this with, um, anarcho-communism. Mm-hmm. Um, this isn't a term that I had ever heard directly before. Um, I am, you know, pretty active with libertarians, and there are socialist aspects in the American Libertarian Party that are creeping in um, to that. But for the most part, I, you know, they they seem to not explain it as well as you are, and they actually come across as not the brightest. I think in a lot of ways, but that that has nothing to do with what we're talking about today. So the the. The, I like the word libertarian socialism better, but sometimes libertarian has the same um, has the same like negative bugaboo about it as socialism or communism does because they think it's oh yeah that sounds great but it's impossible. Um, I get that a lot as you know somebody that is a confessed libertarian. So the the things that I kind of came up as that I was just try, jotting it down is. Could there be such a thing as a constitutional communism or a rights-based or rights-insured communism? I mean, can you have rights under this? Because I'm not talking about the way we abuse our Constitution now. I'm talking about what the Constitution was meant to do and what constitutions are meant to do supposedly across the world, such as the Magna Carta even, Mm -hmm. being one of these first ones. That that was supposed to say that, yes, power lies here, Mm -hmm. whether it's the monarchy or the collective or the government or wherever. But the citizens of this place have rights, A, B, C, and X, Y, and Z, mm-hmm. regardless of it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, do is there a, are there rights insured anywhere, rights-based, um, you know, rights insured by somebody somewhere do, who makes sure that I have freedom of speech? Um, I guess to put it further is... Under this sort of communism, is there any liberty? 
you use the word libertarian socialism, so mm-hmm. I, I would imagine that there is. But do I have right? Do I have religious rights, property rights, privacy rights? Well, yeah, I mean, it's I mean, what and it's under the basis to your rights, um, your way of life. And again, I'm speaking for anarcho-communists is going to be under the um, under the banner of the fundamentals of anarchism. And anarchism is a, um, it's a free association, horizontal, non-hierarchical way of life. Um, and you're going to, in a true anarchist, anarcho-communist society is going to develop their, if you want to call it a constitution, you can call it a constitution, is going to develop their constitution, their quote-unquote bill of rights, based on the platform, based on the foundations of anarchism. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, you would have rights, you would have, um, you know, uh, and they would be based on, like I said, on the fundamentals of, of anarchism, which is, you know, um, you know, a, a non-hierarchy, a um, horizontal, classless way of life. One one of the reasons I've been very open to this, or at least I'm trying really hard to be, you know, very open to all of this, is that although I don't, you know, line up with a lot of these beliefs necessarily, I've always kind of in the back of my mind been of the opinion that that pretty much any ideology can work if implemented properly. Mm-hmm. I've actually read a lot of books that usually fiction books, you know, where this is this is it. But you know, I've read a lot of books where they make good arguments for where you could have a good fascist society or a good nationalist society. And now again, people, you know. <gasps> He said fascist. He likes Adolf Hitler. No. Fascism can't be assigned to Adolf Hitler's Nazis, just like communism can't be assigned to Stalin and the gulags. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's that's not what it actually is. That's a that's an abuse of it. So I mean, I guess that would be a question I'm not asking you or necessarily even asking Dorf at this time, but I guess I would just be asking the people listening, you know. Um, is, you know, can any system be good if it's implemented properly? You know, I mean, and, and to me, the way a system can be good if implemented properly is to ensure that the people within the system have rights and that most of what is done is done through voluntarianism. Because mm-hmm. I know that, you know, you you're not here, like you said, you know, you're never going to convince Dorf. You're not here, we're not here to convince Dorf of something or convince me of something or convince you of something. People are listening to this show. At least, at least I hope they are. <laughs> um, you know, the, people are listening to this show, and we're trying to not necessarily even convince them of something, but get them thinking, get, yeah. get, get their wheels turning, and to put them in a different direction. I so. guess I guess you know what Josh, I think the biggest the biggest goal of tonight's show maybe isn't to convince anyone you know one way or the other. 
I wanted to get I want to get rid of that binary thought of socialism and communism that it you're either it's not, it's not a true binary. I mean that you're either free or it's Soviet Russia, mm-hmm. and that's and that's just it's simply not the case. Yeah, this is based on people who believe that Soviet Russia was the um the epitome of what Karl Marx was trying to say, and it's also coming from people that are living in a nation such as this and actually and you, believe that they're free. And, and, you, and, you, they're and, you asked, and you asked the question, and you asked the question earlier, Josh, um, when you were alluding to whether or not, okay, you know, one of the comebacks that a lot of, you know, communists, whether they're Leninists or Maoist or um, anarcho-communists, is that, you know, none of these, none of these countries have ever really undertaken true communism, which I think is true. Um, because I'll ask, I'll ask that person, okay, is China, um, have they undertaken a classless, moneyless, stateless society? Oh, no, hell no. No, absolutely not. Did Soviet Russia undertake that? No. Did nope. Cambodia undertake that? No. Did Cuba undertake that? No. Um, did Venezuela undertake that? No, they haven't. Um, North I, Korea, Vietnam, Cuba, North, no, none yeah. of these. None, none of these, none of these places have done that. And I, and I'm looking more, especially at a place like China, Who's had a communist ruling party forever, and they've they haven't done anything as far as you know bringing up the proletariat and putting them in charge and you know doing overall it's a pretty lousy place. Yeah, they they haven't done they haven't done any of that, Um, and Russia never did any of that. Um, I mean, I think I, I think Venezuela has made some strides in doing that in the past. Um, especially under um, Hugo Chavez, but um, again, you you bring in all of these outside variables that have, um, and again, I'm not saying that those have been perfect systems, not in the very least, but uh, there are you you have to take into account some of these outside variables that come into play that end up sinking that that ship. For for something to be good point. Um, for something to be a good system for some for for a nation to undertake, and I realize that nations, places, whatever you want to call them, are run by men and women, and men and women are inherently flawed. But for a philosophy to take place and to and to work. It must be ethical. It must be just. So I guess the is is communism morally right? Yes. If you're asking me, yes. I am asking you. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Elaborate or, or no? You don't have to. Just. I think I think I've. You think yeah yeah I no think I, you I think have I've elaborated all night. No 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 that's fine. I just I that's some of these questions I you know I I didn't know how you were going to answer the other ones before I put them I down. Mean, I so could I just go thought, on. I could go on again. No I I I, I know you did. <laughs> it, no you have made those ones. I just wanted. I just didn't know if you wanted to jump to other things. Now, if I may, I think you've said some excellent things tonight. I think Dorf's made some really good points, too. I know you don't think that Dorf's made good points, and I know Dorf hasn't said <laughs> <laughs> But I think you guys both have, actually. Um, I think some of the stuff you guys have said has been, you know. I think Dorf is going to have to go out and buy something after this show tonight. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go on an Amazon spending streak. Uh, and- and I'm sure Adam will never buy anything again. <laughs> but but here's a problem that I will point out. And it's not a problem with what you said, necessarily. Mm-hmm. But th- this is the biggest problem I have. Is 
you know, I look at what socialism and communism have done mm-hmm. in the world thus far. And, and yes, I am now talking about the USSR and China and, and these places that profess to be communist. Um, and I don't like it. Now, I'm hearing socialists of the past and present and future tell me that, well, socialism wasn't done right before. It wasn't implemented correctly before. But the issue I take with it, and now I'm shifting this, this is true in other nations as well, but now I'm shifting this to a perspective of American politics right now. You know, 2019 American politics. And I'm looking at Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. I'm looking at Bernie Sanders. I'm looking at Jill Stein. Um, I'm looking at the American Communist Party, which didn't run a candidate in 2016 because they endorsed the Democratic Party. Mm-hmm. And they're only, um, you know, and these are communists, you know, professed communists. They, you know, who, have, who are supposedly up on this stuff. They have decided, you know, their, their big question right now is, are we ever going to run a candidate again? Or are we simply going to stop running altogether and just join the Democratic Party, be, become part of the Democratic Party? Um, I look at these people and without discounting those that would tell me that we've done communism wrong in the past... I look at these people, AOC, Bernie, Jill Stein especially, and say, aren't these current politicians doing it the wrong way again? Because I look at them, and I see what Bernie Sanders says, and quite frankly, it does sound like what Lenin said. It does sound like what Mao said. It does sound like what Castro said. And so when... I say I dislike socialism or I dislike communism. I dislike that popular tripe version of it because, quite frankly, that's the one they're going for again. You know, I mean, so until I hear, you know, professed socialists, democratic socialists, whatever they want to call themselves, until I hear them saying some of the things that you're saying until I hear at least something along that and not the same old you know vitriol then I'm going to remain vehemently opposed to it you know and and that's that I guess that's kind of where I stand is where is the socialist who is the real socialist well, I mean, I'm not going to, like I said, I'm not going to, I don't want to speak for, for Bernie or AOC or for the Communist Party that decided to, you know, just endorse the Democratic candidate because I think that's, personally, I think that's asinine um, that, that that would be undertaken because uh, some of the, some of the biggest and en- political enemies of, 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 communists, whether you are authoritarian, whether or socialist, whether you are an authoritarian socialist or a uh, libertarian socialist, are neoconservatives and neoliberals, um, and the Democratic Party is chock full of 
neoliberals um, like Nancy Pelosi, um, you know, like, uh, you know, like your Hillary Clinton types. Um, and that's, and that's a huge detriment to, to, um, to true leftism. I mean, a lot of leftists don't even consider somebody like Nancy Pelosi or Hillary Clinton to be leftists just because they are, you know, so in tune with, 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 with their neoliberal ways that, uh, there's no way that they could be true leftists in that sense. Um, Again, I'm not, I'm not going to speak for Bernie. I'm not going to speak for AOC. Um, I hear a lot of the criticism towards them, and um, and I get it in some sense. Um, being, you know, somebody who identifies more as an anarcho-communist or libertarian socialist. Uh, so, like I said, I'm not going to. I, I, I guess I disagree with you in the sense that I think it's going the same way. Or they're going the same way that they've that somebody like Lenin or Castro or you know Mao has has gone in the past. Um, something that I I, I kind of want to see. I, well, I don't kind of want to see. I want to see it more on the left. Is more unification. Um, I think that I think that anarcho communists and libertarian socialists can still work in some regard with a Leninist or Maoist or a democratic socialist. Um, obviously, in not every, in not in every aspect, but in some aspects, uh, because the end game for all of those um, different facets of socialism is communism. Whether or not Bernie wants to admit it or not, whether or not AOC wants to admit it or not, well, that is the case. And that's the thing is, I, I would be okay with with that admittal mm -hmm. but you know i mean we mentioned and you know you specifically mentioned that you wouldn't be thrown in jail for not paying your taxes or you know under bernie sanders plan he is absolutely trying to implement this plan through higher taxes to every single person and that will be done at the threat of violence it will be done um, at the threat of men with guns coming and putting you in handcuffs and putting you in a cage if you do not, you know, comply. Um, man, I don't, I, I don't know if that's. And, and if you want to say, hey, the Republicans are doing that too. Okay, I agree. I, well, agree. I mean, I mean, I mean, you're talking about you're talking about big government in that case, and yeah, that that's what that's what big government does. Um, I don't know. I mean. I don't want to say that it's something that Bernie is advocating doing. I know you just said it. I don't know if that's something that I would, I would, I don't know if I'd agree with your assessment on that. Uh, but if Bernie within his own mind, AOC within his own, within her own mind, can't admit that socialism or that communism is the end game, then they're, they're, they're not real democratic socialists they're not socialists they are simply reformers they are neoliberals that went to work alongside capitalism and just you know make society run as a whole that way um so i mean i and that's really all i can say about that i mean it's um 
you should uh, definitely look into uh, the Fabian Society. Yeah, I will. Um, I'm not a fan of them, but they are. I mean, Fabianism. Um, Fabianism doesn't, by definition, mean socialism. Fabianism has been used in other terms. Fab- Fabius, I believe it is, is the uh, famous general studied in military history who won wars simply by tiring out his victims. Mm-hmm. He would simply, he, he would attack at stupid times and move his forces into positions that seemed ignorant mm-hmm. in a way to keep his opponent on the offensive so much that they would inevitably be forced to yeah. give it's up and give resources it, exactly exactly so i mean the the fabian society is a is a socialist society that mostly um there's offshoots all over the world but mostly centered in the uk that wants to just kind of very slowly implement socialism and if you look at when they started and what they've accomplished been very successful actually with mm-hmm. with the socialist turns that the western world has taken um i don't know if dorf has anything else i think a good way to wrap up and again i'm not trying to wrap up but i think a good way to wrap up would be um any um specific things you think some people should read um a communist manifesto is that something that yeah, people I mean, should read yeah you definitely i mean you definitely want to start off with um Manifesto, obviously, that is... 1848, Karl Marx and Engels. That is is one of the, you know, most important pieces within within communism is is Karl Marx's, you know... If you attended college in the United States of America, you probably read it already, or or at least you were supposed to. I didn't didn't read it in college. I've actually read it twice on my own accord, though. Um, It's not long, too. It's only like 72 pages. No, it's it's really not. And and just like... um, John Stuart Mill's on liberty is that short too. Um, yeah. One thing I would I would say as a can critique. I, of the hey, hey, Dorf, can I just Sorry, give my different ahead. reading yeah, list? Go, go ahead and finish. <laughs> yeah. You're not you're not going to recommend Das Kapital, are you? No. Me? I, anybody? Because because if you, actually, if, I if somebody can get Kapital. through that book, you're a better man than I am. Because I, I, I I've I've read a lot of it, but but. Damn that a page turner it is not to quote Yoda that is. <laughs> <laughs> I would um I would I mean I I think I think alongside Marx I think an even more important book is the Conquest of Bread by Peter Kropotkin. Um, or Podkin spell that even if you spell it wrong just starts with a K. K. Yeah, it starts with a K. <laughs> thanks. Phonetic, phonetic spelling starts. Thanks, with K. thanks, Dorf. I'll give it to you after the show. Okay, just it, but I, so people know what we're saying because I'm having trouble like 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 Ker Podkin. Right, K R yeah. K R. Actually, if you if you look in the uh, the Facebook uh, subtitle of the video, the live cool. stream, it's in there. Yeah, and it'll cool. be it'll be in all the descriptions as well. So um, anything really. And what was his book called? The Conquest of Bread. Um, anything really by Peter Kropotkin is is going to be you know vital. I think. Um, I think you should definitely read um, uh, the State and Revolution by Lenin. Um, Again, just to get a, I mean, because I don't want to, I don't want to dismiss the proletariat that you know, within, you know, communist or Soviet Russia. Um, I think it's certainly important to hear the struggles and the uprising with them, just because I think it's vital as a you know from a historical standpoint mm-hmm. to the 
you know, to communism as a whole. Um, That's the other thing with Marx, too, for those of you who, I mean, most people know Marx as the communist guy, but... Um, Captain Communism. Right, but, but Marx was a historian, so you can't just go through and read all of Marx's work and get your, your fill of communism. Most of his stuff is, you know, I mean, he's got a book on, uh, you know on uh french government he's got a book on uh the american civil war i mean yeah. he's, he's got a lot you know so so you you can read marx if you want but you're gonna have to branch out so that's why i'm glad that adam's given some some other things here yeah um i mean i would also take a look at some of the um some of the essays that mao wrote um just because i mean mao and i know that dorf was bringing this up earlier about you know staving off more powerful entities mm -hmm. uh, within the world that it, you know, tries to overthrow communism or try to or tries to prevent a, a socialist uprising. Um, something that Mao does within a lot of his, you know, within a lot of his essays is talk about guerrilla warfare and um, you know how you go about taking down a more powerful um, bourgeoisie. Um, and like I said, he talks about that. He talks about, uh, you know, lining up a proletarian, uh, you know, society next to, um, a, uh, a, a bourgeoisie, um, society and just basically picking it off from, you know, the outside and the inside out. But I mean, just go and take a look at some of the stuff by him and, and read up on that and you might get a better understanding of how, um, you know, a, a smaller communist or socialist entity would be able to overtake a larger um, state in that sense. But um, you also, you, you know, just go and look up to some other aspects of, um, of anarcho-collectivism and anarcho-syndicalism, um, especially anarcho-syndicalism, because anarcho-syndicalism is a huge, huge aspect within anarcho-communism, I think, as a whole. And a way, and one of the facets to bring on revolution when it comes to anarcho-communism. And basically, anarcho-syndicalism is undertaking, undertaking revolution within, within um, you know, your place of work. So, that's it. Very cool. <laughs> Dorf, I'm Dorf, sorry. you got anything else? Um just i haven't i'm gonna fully admit i haven't read kropotkin um i have read a little bit of marx and um a little bit of mao and a little bit of lenin with that being said um i will i will admit that they those three specifically were very good at prescribing and identifying societal and economic ails of their region of the world at their specific time I would argue that their solutions for it um, aren't great, both from a, a moral perspective and a practical perspective. Um, the another guy that you, uh, if, if, if honestly, if you want a more modern take on like uh, uh, Stalinism, there's actually a current. He's currently still alive. A, uh, his name is. Uh, Zdeslav Zizek, I believe he is, he's Russian, uh, speaks English. Of course he's um, Russian. Yeah, of course. <laughs> oh, right. Um, 
he'd be a guy I would encourage people to look into. Um, he's got a lot of stuff on YouTube, believe it or not. So if you're more of the listening type, you can get it that way too. Um, but at the same time, you know, Adam, this isn't just a critique of you, but I, I still am not convinced that. Shocker. Hang on. <laughs> the that we can just hand wave away human nature in the pursuit of communism, that it, the power dynamics at play on a global scale and incentive structures, whether it's a you to me or, or a more of a macro perspective, I still don't think that unless of course you're going to rule with an iron fist or provide some sort of, you know, pleasure incentive through largely economic means, I still don't think you're going to be able to get enough people to buy in to do the the shitty shit necessary to keep a society functioning. And actually, if you you follow Marx to end-state communism, it's actually a largely a reversal to a more primitive society is, is the end state. And you can argue for days about whether or not that's good, great, bad, or otherwise. But, um, because quite honestly, I, I wouldn't, I can see the merits and benefits of a more basic, uh, basic existence from a, from a macro, macro and both macro and micro perspective. So, um, I mean, I you know, I know you, realistically, your you, your job in any sort of debate or podcast isn't necessarily to convince your your partner in in the debate. It's to convince everybody else. And Adam, I I don't think you've brought anything to me and 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 in all my reading and and kind of and moderate you know study, which I did for pleasure, not for any sort of academic purposes. Um, hmm, of these i of these ideals, they they don't convince me that they would ever become practical without extreme authoritarianism or an absolute collapse of society. And, um, interesting neither, to do neither, research for pleasure. I mean, it seems, I know, I know a lot of people that wouldn't do research for pleasure, but you well, like to do that. I, so. I, I do. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, um, but, I yeah, think, I think the, one of the main I, points you, you haven't convinced me that that's, that's, any of the basic human nature problems can be overcome I didn't, I didn't just think, by hand waving it. I, I didn't, I didn't think I, I didn't think I would convince yeah, no, you. No, I mean, and, because, and, one second, one second, Josh. Go ahead. I, I, I mean, our, our fundamental difference here is, is, is our, is our viewpoint on human nature. And I don't want to get into it because we've already been at it for, you know, almost two hours, almost two hours now, but. You and I have a fundamental disagreement when it comes to what humans will undertake and, and human nature in and of itself. And that's that's fine. That's fine. Um, I happen to think one way and you happen to think another way. Uh, like I said, uh, my, my goal of this tonight was to get rid of the binary thinking when it comes to socialism and communism. Yeah, and I, I don't think anybody on this podcast had that binary thinking that, you know, it's either one or the other. But at the same time, you're, you're not wrong in identifying a larger societal uh, thought process that it's it's A or B and there is no in between. Yeah, and that's the, the main thing we were trying to do tonight is uh, just, you know, yeah, don't – I mean, whether you want to use the word binary or use an, any other host of adjectives to describe it, for those of you listening out there, don't – 
don't just believe the the basics that you, that you hear. You know, and when I say, and if you're going to come back with, I don't just believe the basics. I believe what my college professor told me. Oh God, that's the worst. Don't don't do that. Okay, just go out, do some research. Adam provided some great information tonight, um, and I think the biggest point that you made tonight, Adam, mm-hmm. is the point that. We, most people haven't taken the time to actually dig deep into what this is about. I certainly didn't become a communist tonight either. But as Karl Marx said, when at the end of his life, he attended the first um, convention on socialism, Mm -hmm. is his only quote from leaving there was, well, I've made up my mind. I'm certainly not a Marxist. So even in Marx's own life, people had begun to misappropriate his words. So you go read the books. You know, you, you read this and, and find out maybe what these ideologies are actually based on before you tell everyone, no, that's impossible. Some other, some other um, guys, like, not you know, philosophers and sure. theorists of the past, but even today, um, I know, Dorf, you mentioned one earlier, uh, but go and take a look at some of these guys on YouTube as well. They they do a much better job at explaining this stuff than I do. Um, for instance, like a like a Ben Burgess, um, he's, always, you know, he's getting himself into, you know, back and forth. Well, not back and forth, but he's, he's, he's the one that will criticize um, wholeheartedly a guy like Ben Shapiro and Jordan Peterson. Um uh, but he is a he is a socialist himself, a communist himself. Uh, another one, go and check out the YouTube channel Non Compete, uh, the Serfs, um, uh, Means TV, which is actually based here in um, in Detroit. You know what the irony um, of Means TV is? What's that? It's a, it's a paid subscription service. Okay, well, okay, that's that's <laughs> that's there's no irony in that because they they're living within a capitalist society. I I, I know it was just a cheap jab. One that missed too, by the way. I know. Um, so go check out go check out some of them as well. Oh, and Libertarian Socialist Rants. He's um, out of England. Uh, there's some other ones too that I'm missing, but those are some of the ones that I listen to. Okay. Good stuff. All right. Anything else, guys? No. All right. I'm gonna wrap it up. One last final thought here, and then I'll. We'll go oh, we got to pick next week's show too. Oh, that's right. We got to do. We do have to pick next week's show. Which we have. Um, we have two. Or is it, right it going to be next week or is it going to be? Um, or a few weeks, weeks from now. Yeah, a few weeks from now. Um, I would if you if you're going to go down, I would, I would call it the uh, the the wormhole or the the dark alley of of really wholeheartedly trying to convince yourself that uh, communism is the way to go. But once you've done all your research, before you fully make up your mind, I encourage you to read one series of books. That would be by um, Alexander Solzhenitsyn, um, The Gulag Archipelago. That would be the first one, and he's got a couple other ones that are I have names that are escaping me right now. I highly encourage anybody before before you go. Let's go. Let's go before you go red. Make sure that uh, you at least give those after you've done all your other reading with your Marx, your um, your Lenin, your et cetera, et cetera. 
make sure before you're done and you've got your mind made up to read Solzhenitsyn. Dorf is a modern day Joseph McCarthy. <laughs> Mac- what? What does McCarthy have to do with Solzhenitsyn? No, I'm anyway. just saying you in general. I haven't called for you to be banished from society or, or rooted out. Or, the, or killed. I haven't called for that. Not but, yet. Uh, <laughs> don't push me, bro. <laughs> Anywho, uh, anything else, guys? Yeah, next show. All yeah, right. Um, all right, we're going to go ahead and spin the wheel here. Uh, for those who forget, what are the what are the two topics currently up for debate? Um, two topics currently up for debate is is voting useless and the morality of taxation. Okay, dropping balls. All right, here we go. Yeah, these are both very much Josh shows. Is voting useless? Okay. Looking forward to it. Interesting too, because Lennon had a uh, had an opinion on this as well. We didn't get to it tonight. So, is voting right. Useless and or I would useful. Like to, I would like to table a motion that to add it to the next if one or the other category pick there. Uh, universal basic income. I would like to discuss that. Are you ready for that one then? Are you ready? I am. Okay. I am ready for that one. Okay. Word. We'll put universal basic income in there as well. Okay, Which, but next show will be is voting useless is, or useful? Is voting, is voting useless? useless and it's likely going to be the 25th, correct? 18th or the 25th. Somewhere around there, yeah. Somewhere around there. So. Stay tuned. All right. And if that's going to wrap everything up here for us on uh, the 11th episode of Politics of the Empire, presented by TheEmpireMedia.com, uh, thanks for joining us. We're every two or three weeks on Tuesday nights, uh, live at 8-ish, usually close to 8.30 p.m. Eastern, uh, right here on whatever the various platforms you are catching us on currently. All of them. All of them. Um, if you host live podcasts, we will put it there uh, with our multi-streaming app there. So, uh, so for Josh, Adam, I am Dorf. We'll see you all next time. Uh.